Welcome to Cross of Gold, the podcast where two brothers, one a Christian in the political wilderness and the other a socialist in the spiritual wilderness, work to rediscover faith in each other, our communities, and the American experiment. We have begged and they have walked when our calamity came. We beg no longer, we defy them. You shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is your socialist brother, Cyrus, here yet again uh, with my brother, Chase. Chase, how are we doing today? I'm doing very well. Uh, be remiss not to say we're all joined by uh, Cato Duke Capo as well. So the boys are together. That's right. That's right. He's uh, sucking on uh, some, some divine liquid there. Yes, if you, um, Cyrus has made a, uh, sees the means of lactation onesie. Um, so you might see that on um, Instagram uh, coming up. But uh, if you hear some cooing in the background, that's what, uh, that's who that is. That is if his mom ever lets him wear it. We'll, we'll see. Might have to do a little bargaining. But um, all that said, uh, that's good. That's good. Glad to have Kato with us today. Uh, now, today's episode, I felt at least for my, my purposes, I wanted to give you an opportunity to vent a little bit because Uh I, do you remember when I first wanted to get baptized? Oh, gee. Um, okay. So this is a a vent to this story. So uh, I do remember, I, I, I I think I remember a conversation at the dinner table in Idaho. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll circle it all the way back. We'll bring it all the way back to the purpose of this conversation, but during that, yeah, during that dinner table uh, meeting in Idaho, I think it was our, our pastor was there because uh, I told our parents that I was interested in being baptized. And I was, I think, like 11 or 12, somewhere around there. Um, and I just remember everyone being pretty enthusiastic about me getting baptized. Like, oh, this is great. Like, so glad you're showing interest. And the only person who, you know, had any sort of dissent or like a speak now or forever hold your peace moment was chase and i just he had this look of consternation on his face um that was and finally he 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 sort of spoke up uh almost indignant and was like is anyone going to uh recognize the fact that cyrus doesn't like read the bible or you know know the gospels i think you asked me to to name the gospels in order oh did i really that's that's sucky Uh, i'm sorry but i (laughs) I mean, it was pedantic, undeniably. But <laughs> Shallow and pedantic. <laughs> you were like 16 or so, which is the you know perfect time to be pedantic. Um, but at that time, you know, I was like, man, why is Chase being such an asshole about this? Um, uh, truth, but not in love isn't truth. It just is harsh well, judgment. I, I think you know that said it. It's not because you like we're trying to gatekeep. I mean, maybe there's an element of that because I know you took your faith pretty seriously at the time. Um, but I think there was also, you know, as I have a little bit of, of time looking in the rear view, uh, there was an element of you wanting to ensure that I knew what I was getting myself into, you know, that I, I knew what, what I was going to be signing up for, so to speak. Yeah. Count the so, cost. I mean, you know, Jesus says though, that um, for you to want to save your life, you know, you must lose it. Um, or pick up your cross daily and follow me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Those are not like light commandments, um, which, you know, we can definitely get into that discussion at some point too. the, the degree to which, you know, Christians actually take seriously Jesus's commandments. But, uh, but that being said, you know, that, that just kind of reminded me as, as, you know, we've been going over the last couple of interviews and talks we've had, um, because at the very beginning of this whole exercise, this, this podcast, uh, exercise, I felt like that was sort of, it was a little bit of a reversal, you know, at Ooh. that time I was, you, you, I knew you were, you were really tr- struggling with your beliefs, so, you know, and, and, and I think you were just holding on to certain things that, uh, you were, you were believing as, as part of your identity. Cause when I wanted to get baptized is because there were a bunch of cute girls in my youth group and I thought it might be a good opportunity to, you know, to show a little cheek slide into their dms as i've learned to say yeah exactly you know come out come out of the water big hero guy be like oh yeah ladies it was nothing um but uh and i'm not to say that that's what your political beliefs were but i think it was part of an identity um and as i've been seeing sort of the gears turning and the smoke coming out of your ears over the last couple weeks i'm just curious after we did my spiritual azimuth check uh what you know that that maybe you've reoriented a little bit. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak on that. Um, maybe, you know, what's changed, what hasn't, what is still just giving you, uh, giving you trouble. Yeah. I appreciate that. And just, you know, before I, I, I do that, just I'm reaffirming we're good for Ecclesiastes and the gospel, uh, conversations in the preceding weeks. Correct. I, I promise the following weeks we'll preceding. get there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll sprinkle in some, uh, some more radical literature as well um, and see if we can do some compare and contrast. Sure. The, the wheat with the tares. Uh, for the That's right. Get that for <laughs> so, um, um, okay. Yeah. i uh, happy to. And thanks for bringing that up. I definitely remember after that um, whole thing, you know what? I also felt convicted to try to take um, uh, more stewardship you know what? I, I certainly carry with me, man, a lot of guilt for either how hard I was or for the times that where I was, uh, man, just harsh. But hopefully in those year or two, three after that, you know, your baptism, you know, journey there. Um, hopefully I changed tune a little bit or, you know, do you remember anything kind of after that, that that was like, I don't know, different or. You know, you know just... I don't know if it was exactly that moment where things changed for our relationship. Maybe I was just getting older. Um, but I do feel like after that point or sort of those last few years of your high school, yeah. um, you know, that's when our relationship became super tight and close. We were coming into my room to pray every night. Uh, we were reading scripture together. We were talking philosophy together. Um, and you know, you were, you were as big or big, even bigger of an influence during that period of my life than our parents. Um, you know, really, it, it was sort of a, a time where our relationship was really cemented tightly. And that was a lot, a lot of those bound, uh, binds were because of ideologies we sort of saw a lot more eye to eye and a lot more things then that, which is funny because a lot of those things, neither of us believes now, um, <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> but, but still, yeah, no, I do. I do remember sort of the, the time after that, I guess. Yeah, that's actually an interesting just trip that I'll make mention of briefly, whether it's his brothers or his parents and kids, or even as like Americans and neighbors, that 
you know, we relate over one thing, call it bowling or call it, you know, PTA. And while those um, opinions or structures might change because your kids grow up or whatever, you know, you still have the relationship with the person, uh, with your neighbor, even though they might like be voting for, you know, Biden or Trump and, uh, you know, you believe the other. So um, that's just ties the bind beyond the. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but I'm trying to say that that was good for us, even if, you know, we've changed our political beliefs or whatever, that certainly we were investing in maybe a relationship that transcends that. Thank goodness. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think it was, I don't think we'd be doing this today for sure. If we hadn't done that then I agree. Um, I agree. You know, I I I remember when we were driving down to Reno one time, I I couldn't have been, it was probably same time around when that happened. And you just made me listen to Socrates, the Republic for like the whole seven. (laughs) (laughs) And you would stop it periodically and be like, do you understand what he said? I want you to like explain it in your own words. Um, which some <laughs> people probably hear and think that's child abuse, but, uh, and at the time I was like, what, what is this for? Uh, but at the same time, I mean, looking back, I don't think I would be who I am without that kind of stuff. I don't know. I appreciate for, for, for better or for worse. It's funny. One of our listeners, uh, DM'd me, uh, a podcast link that I listened to. And one of the guys that was getting interviewed basically made, meant Socrates out, made Socrates out to be like some immoral tyrant. Um, or Plato at least. And so I've got to go back and listen to those to see if I was totally missing things or I have been. So all that to say, you know, we'll revisit the classics um, in time. Cause I think, that's I think a that's thing. a fair, fairly idiosyncratic rare opinion, but yeah, who knows? Um, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, well, he was like throwing shade on the form of the goods, which a different story. We'll talk, we'll talk that offline. Cause I need to figure it <laughs> yeah. out. So um, yeah, dude. Okay. So you've asked me, oh, I'll keep my voice down. Sorry, Keto. Um, you've asked me um, some 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 points I've been thinking about, and dude, you're right. My my tires have been smoking, so I've got um, nine or ten points I think that I've just been sort of jotting down over our last couple conversations and interviews, and I'll just try to go through those, and I'll just name the point and a little bit about it. And I would love feedback from friends, family members, listeners, because uh, genuinely, yeah, Cyrus, like I want to do right. Like if you're going to be doing some spiritual seeking. Um, and reading and really considering of those books that we're going to talk about, then I'm, I, I am doing the same thing. I'm Christians are more politically divided. I feel like than they've been in the last hundred years, you know, or all in them. Yeah. Probably since like the civil war. And, and I want to know how I should be expressing my belief in Jesus and my action to disciple myself and others after Jesus in politics. So having said that, here are some things that, Dude, yeah, cut in, interrupt me because I interrupt you, and we'll get through this. Uh, um, yeah, I know, I know you can get a head full of steam though. So if I, <laughs> yeah. I'll throw a penny on the tracks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Already in our warm up conversation, Cato uh, has um, you know screamed twice when I've you know like gotten too animated. So he's going to keep me on, on point <laughs> as well. Um, so the first one is, man, I've talked with a lot of Christians actually um, since we've been doing our podcast, and point number one is. We always have the poor with us. And it's really interesting because that's been a phrase that Christians have used uh, to me in response to uh, why we really shouldn't be completely mobilized behind um, helping the poor. And the scene is Jesus um, is, a, uh, I think, Mary Magdalene breaks some really expensive like uh, perfume and puts it on Jesus's feet 
and she's crying on his feet. And Judas and some of the other disciples, very oriented to help the poor, say like, this should have been used for the poor. Like this was like, I think it was like 200 denarius. And, um, and Jesus says, well, you always have the poor with you. Like she did this for the day of my burial, right? And, and, that, and the Matthew version is used, and I'm, I, I'm not with my notes right now, but I, the Mark version says like, you always have the poor with you and you can do whatever is good for them whenever you want, but you do not always have me. And it's really interesting that the Matthew version is used. Like you don't, you always have the poor with you. What I've come to wrestle with God and the Holy spirit on is that we like, now that we no longer have Jesus in body form with us and we have the Holy spirit, we anoint Jesus when we serve the poor. That's sort of the the application point that came out of that. Like it's Um, always like, rather than like, yeah, the poor will always be there. It's like, we'll always have stewardship over the poor. Yeah, we'll and always I, have some level of responsibility to those who are, are needy. I think a really good pair of a phrase Jesus has used in the past is, like, or in in the Gospels, whatever you do for the least of these, you've done for me, right? right. And so, so when I serve the poor, I remember the anointing that Jesus had at his burial, the you know the the torture and death he had to go through before he rose again. Um, the second point to that, though, is that the disciples were very oriented for the poor. Like when something expensive was broken, their gut reaction was that should have been used for the poor. That certainly isn't my gut reaction very frequently. Like when someone donates a nice building or does like, you know, um, some nice thing, like, you know, I think it was somewhere in Texas, someone had don- donated like a 10, Commandment, uh, 10 commandments monument. It's their right. money. They chose to spend it how they wanted to. But like after reading- the Disciples probably would have been like, hey- that money's supposed to be used for the poor. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, gee, you know, uh, okay. Y- yeah, whatever that might have been. Um, Not to call out Catholics, but I feel like that's sort of one of the most obvious and egregious examples. And, and one reason I was always sort of turned off from that side of the faith is seeing these monuments to wealth and splendor. Uh, and especially when I was living in Mexico City, you know, mm. seeing just the, the most poor and downtrodden people you've ever seen in your life uh, begging for change outside of a temple that's literally gilded with with solid gold. You know, mm. pretty it's it's a stark contrast. Yeah, man. And um, I think a lot of that about that, especially just in our communities in DFW, actually. And you have megachurches in rich and poor communities that look immaculate. And uh, I'm, I'm not prepared for that point, but I, I've been, that, that's one that might come later. So I guess what to, to close that point out though, is that um, the Bible to me is much more clear in our commands to help the poor and oppressed and widow and orphan than it is to abolish slavery. And so to finish out point one, I'll bring myself to point Two, which is, I've heard a lot of Christians say, we're supposed to help the orphan and the widow. And 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 use, and uh, the examples in Acts sort of lay that out. And kind of previous to what Joel had said in a previous interview, like, yeah, there was no distinctions for helping widows. Like, there were distinctions for helping widows. They needed sure. to have been faithful, servants of the saints, washed the feet, you know, hus- wives of just one husband, these sorts of things. Um, but to me, I'll just repeat that. Like, we're supposed to love one another not only as like as we would want to be loved but as jesus loved us i think we're commanded through my reading of scripture and i'm going to really reference isaiah 58 
to unequally love the poor and oppressed? And this is a question that has come to me by God, I believe, in prayer over the last couple months. Are my commands to help the poor and oppressed relative or are they absolute? And what convicted me in the just the prayer meditation after that was I write off the poor and oppressed because they're 21st century poor. And I write them off because, well, you know, they could work hard. They could find ways to find government assistance that's already available. And, and in a thousand years, God's commands to help the poor and oppressed, even if the poor and oppressed are more resourced than I am now, are absolute. We should always be doing that. And yeah, I, f- I find it really interesting that like Christians sort of have this attitude of on one hand, like everything that is that I have is because of my own hard work. And so then, you know, that person who doesn't have what I have, they must have not worked as hard. But on the same token, they also say everything I have is by the grace of God. So it's like, well, well, which is it? Did you just have your hard work because of the grace of God? I, I don't know. You know, it's it's a complicated issue. Well, I I'm confused on that one, but I'll get out of order and say that, um, you know, that's a, that's, that's a point. uh, I'll make it point number three that I'm really still considering is that Christians in the church should be involved in helping solve cyclic poverty. And Mm -hmm. the counter to that, to, to, to point three I've heard is, well, you can't fix sin, but with Jesus. And why would we go in with money probably inefficiently used and government just try to solve a sin problem. We should be going at them with Jesus and they're right. And they're wrong. Yes. Jesus to all. But Joel said something that has in my, been in my craw, which is mm. they're not. And I'm going to add in a little bit of my own reasoning here. People in cyclic poverty situations are not more sinful than people in middle, upper middle-class, upper-class communities. They're just, and I think that's less- how, we think of it here in this country. Uh, yeah, I think so in a way, but but they're, they just have less resources and less education and maybe less role models, less other things, right? And Less everything. <laughs> and I think to, to kind of point that, to, to put the cap on point three, if the government has been a part of the pressing, whether it be through redlining or whether it be through Jim Crow or whether it be through you know, unequal application of laws, whatever, or through, you know, for-profit prison industries, then the government should probably be a part of the repentance and the restitution of it, right? So when John the Baptist was preparing people for Jesus and even whether it be, and, and they wanted to say like, hey, what can we do? He said, bear fruit consistent with that of repentance. And I think we need to bear fruit consistent with that of repentance in our government. And I'm not saying we go on an apology tour necessarily. I'm saying we confess the sins and then repent of those. Seek restitution, just like I do in my marriage when I've done something wrong, I re- confess and then I repent. I turn the other direction. And I yeah. think our government could do more of that. And I think one thing in the way of that is, yeah, this, this American idol of wealth and hard work. And, um, and that's why I'll, I'll put point three for, for folks' consideration. Okay. No, that's good. I like that. Um, so for, for, for the next point, I, I want to say that um, I've been sacrificing my testimony of Jesus Christ at the altar of my Americanism. And what I mean by that is 
Yeah, you're gonna have to decode that for, for me yeah, and, thank and you. for other people. So get in, in, let's get into in it. Speak, I have been forfeiting my life that should reflect the good news that Jesus Christ came to die for my sins and allow me to know God in this life because I defend my very American beliefs, particularly in a way that turns people off. Mm. You know, I was just um, on a podcast doing a guest thing on behind the service and they were asking about faith and politics and asked me some things. And, you know, one lady said, you know, in, in, in sort of her own confession, yeah, when I talk politics, I'm just so super tempted and I frequently lose my religion. And, mm. and my stomach dropped because that's the freaking problem. Not even just lose my religion, but like Philippians is super clear. A quick bit on Philippians. It was written to a Roman military retirement community of sorts, very nationalistic. And it was and the church that emerged within that, if I had to summarize the book of Philippians was in two things. One, be united. Number two, be humble and live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make your own attitude that of Jesus Christ. And in that chat, and then in that book, he says, like, our Jesus. Sounds a lot like solidarity. It sounds a lot like solidarity, but it, <laughs> what it, what it, our Jesus, who was equal with God, became a slave by assuming the form of a man and humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So if that's my Jesus, and that my whole life, and he, and Paul says this, St. Paul says, just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And like, if Jesus is the son of God, that's pretty freaking amazing, to be honest, that he humbled himself to that level. Yeah. You know, that's an example that like is hard to follow. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's mind blowing. And so, because it's yeah. mind blowing, I'm wondering right now what the extent of this is and, and of this, of, of point number four, because I'm wondering, you know, if I'm going to vote and, and get over the John Sanders barrier, if you've, you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to, then what I do should be strictly filtered through the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think that right now is something like defend the defenseless and do good. And that can be warped and it can be, you know, misinterpreted. And I don't understand what it is yet, but here's the teeth. I don't know if I should be sticking up for my own civil liberties, man. Like, I don't know if, and I totally believe in the second amendment and the benefit of the second amendment to defend against a tyrannical government and local government, everything like that. But if I'm defending my own interests in a way that throws shade on the good news of Jesus, I am so wrong. I'm, I'm guilty of idolatry and sacrificing the one thing that matters, living your life in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a, just a quick aside. I think, I don't know if this is the official cross of gold position, but this is definitely my position. Uh, no, nobody's taking my guns until the cops get theirs taken away. Just, uh, just saying. Ah, very good. Interesting side point, Cyrus, because a lot of folks might consider, oh, you're a leftist. Uh, you, you don't want guns, um, you know, central control of everything. Uh, expound on that for maybe a minute or two. Well, yeah, I mean, I just know that in the history of this country, uh, laws are always unequally applied to the poor and people of color. And I know that if uh, guns get taken away for, for all people, um, and, and, you know, I, I do believe in some sensible gun control, of course, uh, but I know that, you know, people like us, cops aren't going to be knocking on our doors to take our, 
our weapons away. Um, but uh, for, for people in, in marginalized communities, they definitely will be. And, uh, you know, I don't like the idea of people with guns telling other people they can't have them anymore is all I'm saying. Right on. All right. For everyone that is in aftermath shock, I'll just bottom line it. That's a socialist in favor of the Second Amendment. Put that in your yeah, put that in the bank. Now, that being said, you know, I'm not like an NRA Second Amendment type, but, you know, it's just it's just what I believe. Maybe I'm just too Americanized, but let's get back to you. Yeah, thanks. And this is one in which. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to step back and, and look at the church now for, for a, a next point or two. And I think it's a failure of American Christians to lead the hearts of those within capitalism is bringing in the secular socialism. So point five. And I think the solution to that is a humbled, enlightened capitalism, very constrained, very um, heartful and um, and otherwise like like more secular socialists are coming. More people are leaving the church for what they consider to be something more equitable, something more distributive. And when they see the unequal application of laws, whether it be civil laws or, um, or applica- or, or tax laws, then the, our base sense of justice and fairness is violated. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the things that you've said, Cyrus, like you've kind of questioned the logical implications of socialism, because in my opinion, socialism, capitalism, communism, you know, authoritarianism, dude, they're all forms of government and they could all be great or they could all suck depending on the hearts of humans inside of them. Right. Even Socrates says like, you know, a philosopher king is the best way to go. Um, but, you know, we're not going to you're not going to have that. And democracy is yeah, only better I mean, than I think a tyranny. Like Soviet Union's a good example. Like. I think it did some good, had some potential, uh, but also did a lot of bad and failed ultimately. So 100 percent. So, right. So yeah. so what I'm saying is um, no matter the form of government, if for Christians, for me to Christians, if we want to preserve and encourage and grow um, our society and our heritage and, and the, the, the ideals that we see in our Constitution that we believe are good for people then we need to really listen hard to the critiques of socialists and agree with a lot of them and then join together on better solutions forward. And, you know, to socialists, I would say, really be careful sacrificing social capital on things like a $15 minimum wage, which in some places might do good, but in other places might not. But really put your social capital, and this is me just, you know, speaking out of my left side to socialists, but like, you know, there are some good things that catch a lot of people's ears, like putting more uh, people that are on hourly or salary, you know, wage labor on the boards of directors of, of corporations that like is, you know, that'll catch some people off guard. Like, Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. Like, you know, major plank of Bernie's campaign that the media absolutely refused to cover. Just, just saying. What's that? That he, that was part of Bernie's policy platform was uh, making 50%. I think it was uh, companies over 500 employees making at least 50% of their board seats. Um, have to be filled by uh, people elected by the workers of that company. Um, and, and there were other, there are other parts of that plank as well, but just like you said, I mean, that, that was, that was a major plank of his policy platform. So I, I and that's I'm not, not socialist. That's really not. It's just, it's just better. a function of something. Right. Yeah. And I think what I've seen here is that while the socialists and folks on the left, let's just say with Democrat socialists have a lot of solutions that sometimes come off pretty illogical with bad, not even illogical with bad incentive. 
right? As Christians, yeah. we need to come forward understanding the hearts of humans that I, I believe are depraved and still come forward with good solutions. Like, and this is just a total example with not really any teeth behind it, but if someone who's on unemployment gets a job and keeps a job for three or four, five years, whatever, maybe the government should assist in their down payment of house, right? To incentivize them, not just to get work, not just to um, transition out of the temporary decrease in money that they get when they start to work, but they're working towards something. Then they have a mortgage, then they want to, and then they're a property owner, and then they become invested in the community. These are all things that we could do that we're completely not because our hands are up saying, nah, we can't fix sin with anything but Jesus. And it's almost like they don't even want people to buy houses from our generation. <laughs> I know so few people who, the only people I know who have the opportunity around my age to buy a house, which all of our parents had houses by 25, not all, but much more than we do, are people who work for Goldman Sachs or Amazon or Facebook. Or military. Or I mean, uh, the military. Nobody I know who's just like working a job has that opportunity. Well, think about it. The military is a great example because we have the VA home loan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I sold the condo. Yeah, no, it is. It absolutely is. And it's, it's attached to some idea of service, but how is not just contributing to the economy and can keeping the gears of everything running, like not some level of service and how is not rewarding people for that with the possibility of owning a home for themselves? Also not, you know? Yeah. Uh, And um, this is one shot at, at, at the, the pastors out here, dude, I've heard this from a lot of pastors and some of them I I like, some of them I'm very questionable of, or in some of them I don't like. And that is, Mm. um, the scripture says a wolf comes in sheep's clothing. A wolf doesn't come in a shepherd's clothing as a bit of a way to say, Hey, the false prophets among us are coming from amongst the pews, amongst the membership, amongst the people that are trying to create dissent, create rumors, (laughs) that sort of thing, which is true. Wolves do come in sheep's clothing, but Jesus had a particular word for the Pharisees, blind guides, he called them, you know, woe to you is what he said. Um, and so I love that little move though. That's amazing. Oh yeah. That's, <laughs> sheep's I, don't come in, or wolves don't come in shepherd's clothing. And what am I? I'm a shepherd, baby. Yeah, dude. They have heard that <laughs> half a dozen times, even on TV. And that's, I'm like, that's so funny. I like what you're doing there, but like, wait a second, F you, that's not biblical because like we've got blind guides. Yeah. And there were blind guides um, in Israel in the Old Testament and there were blind guides in Jesus's day and there are blind guides today. So just because someone says wolves don't come in shepherd's clothing doesn't mean they're not a blind guide and like the brood of vipers is what John called them. You see what I'm saying? A John yeah. the Baptist, that is. Doesn't and mean so, they're not a wolf. <laughs> yeah, they're not a wolf, they're a viper. In fact, if someone says that, I'm probably more inclined to believe they are a wolf. Yeah, your wolf yeah, should get yeah. <laughs> Beep, 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 beep. Right. Um, um, so that's just something that I think is a part of undoing this, like us taking a lot of words for granted from some, um, you know, Christian leaders that are also talking heads. So what do we do about all this? And this is where my, my next points come on. I think I'm on point six, which is, I think, as Joel said, we got to test ourselves in ministry. We've got to go to places we don't normally go and talk to people we don't normally talk to, talk about in our, uh, you know, we just recorded an interview with Matt Christman and he said like avoid echo chambers. I think that's right. In fact, from these recent conversations from Russ and Joel, dude, I found myself, I think I mentioned in um, my first city council meeting, 
ever. And I'm looking to make it to the school board meeting because I'm a member of this community. I have a baby and whether or not we stay and I sort of hope we do that. You know what, man, I want to, I want to feed into it. And I've learned, I'm already learning. So I've already meeting people. You know what I'm saying? That um, any, uh, any good insights or anecdotes to share from the uh, first city council meeting? Yeah, dude, a ton. Right. So like a second grader, uh, girl <laughs> was advocating for a sidewalk to connect her route to school. Cause a lot of kids walk to the school to where she's at. I'm on the side of the road. And man, she wrote a very compelling emotional argument. I was like, dude, this is how money gets spent right here. Um, bravo. Uh, another guy was, you know, as old, <laughs> seemed like he needed help. Yeah, he yeah. said, literally like, I can't remember why I'm here. <laughs> um, and you know, we just, in our- <laughs> and, um, and you know what, but, Me and but you both brother. Yeah. Sort of the backdrop to the city council meeting is this a quick aside was that like, we've got a mayor that's been in office 44 years. He has been crushing it. I think bring in, you know, DFW airport, a bunch of major hotels, keeping the small town vibe. Grapevine, Texas is the place, right? And we've got a new the mayor. Grapevine political machine works, baby. Yeah, man, it really does. <laughs> and, um, and we've got a new, well, not a new mayor, but like a new guy running for mayor just moved here. You know, I was trying to like, you know, pick at some of the, the problems that have happened the last 44 years. And so I walked out of that city council meeting with a sign for our current mayor, reelect current mayor. Um, he's 76, but he's crushing it. And, um, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot more of the, man, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, go to a city council meeting. That is, that, that's, that's fun stuff. Um, yeah, there's action. Yeah. Um, Kate was going to join me probably on the <laughs> night. I to see an old man wander around and <laughs> ask why he's there. I'd pay money for that. Um, yeah. And you know what? I think that, um, as much as I've been avoiding it because our neighbors throw a lot of shade on it, you're like putting yourself up for a, like a target on your back. But dude, you know what? Me or Samantha or both of us you need to get involved in our HOA. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. that is something that we're going to, you know, a uh, slide into and, and, and at least stick our hands up for um now the that's HOA. Just, I'm, sure, I'm looking forward to that that'll bring us i'm sure a lot okay. plenty of content I, you know to i've told you about these things um <laughs> what i would say is though and I, there's a few of my neighbors listen to this so they're gonna like keep me accountable now um but that's not just just there not, not just politically like that i mean i mean talking like um I, it, 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 here's the easy way and it's super hard ask the spirit to guide you and if you're at a gas station and or you're going somewhere and the Holy spirit tells you, Hey, go talk to that person. And you go, Oh, absolutely not. That was dumb. And you keep moving. Hold up. That is a test yourself in ministry moment. Even if it's someone in the elevator, Hey, I've done this one really weird. It's going to sound really weird, but I really feel like God wants me to say that God loves you. And you just got to kind of grin and bear it. But you know what, man, sometimes that has been like game changers for people. Right. And so sometimes people need to hear that just someone loves them. And, you know, that that is an act of love, I'd say. And God chooses very often to use us as his instruments of love. Um, we are the body. And so if you're being called to be the hands that serve or you're being to be the tongue to share a kind word, like get over yourself and test yourself in ministry, says Joel. Right. Now, to a note to socialists out there, don't take that lesson and just approach random people and be like, have you heard about the gospel of Marx? Um, <laughs> because I don't think that's going to be effective, but, you know, take the point of, uh, you know, reach out to people who you might not to. Yeah. And, um, point seven is beware the inverse relationships. Okay. 
Point seven, beware the inverse relationships. What I mean by that is external, internal, and social media with news. Okay, so I've been observing in myself with this extra time. The more I focus on big politics, national politics, big ideas, dude, the more I'm not present in my current situation with Samantha, with Cato, even with you. And mm. the more I'm talking about stuff that we don't really have a ton of control over. And I'm not focusing on loving you, thinking about you, man, I, you know, I, I, I forgot to tell you, I've been praying for you. Or maybe I didn't pray for you because I was more concerned about how to formulate an argument for some dumb big argument, right? Like beware the inverse relationship. The more you're thinking external outside of your blood circle, outside of where you can throw a stone at, then you're sacrificing your real leverage on people and neighbors and coworkers that desperately need love. Um, yeah, it's like you're reaching past something for something you have no possibility of reaching. You know, you're like yeah. just stretching out your arm past people who are stretching out their hands to you, uh, but you're doing it to someone on the TV. Yes. And this next one is this, the second part of this inverse. Be aware of the inverse relationship is a shameless request for social media help and um, a confession. <laughs> right. So like I've been spending way more time on social media than I care to to try to get the word about this podcast out. And we've been growing and that's cool. But dude, it's, it's almost, it's, I can't help it, but I do some scrolling Instagram, Facebook or whatever. And I am so not like, I have the same sensation that I did in high school after I had watched like two hours of SpongeBob after five minutes of Facebook scrolling. Right. And yeah, just it, brain and soul deadening. It's deadening. Now I'm a SpongeBob then, fan, so I'll make that known. But and but, then what happens? <laughs> but it's is, not good for your brain to do. And it. then what? <laughs> yeah, dude. What happens is I like I disengage from it, but I'm still like, like my mind's still in a fog. I'm still like in zombie mode for a couple minutes, if not sometimes longer. Yeah. And so there's an inverse time relationship. The more I'm focused on that, the more time it takes away than I am just looking at that. Like it's. Stealing from my future when I'm scrolling on my phone, right? And so, yeah. So from point seven to point eight, um, get you know, get local. I've already sort of mentioned that, um, and get active. Finally, test your political beliefs with scripture and with Jesus. Read it all. And I have come to, in my own convictions, changing some of these things over the last, especially you know, a couple months we've been doing a podcast, but six months since we've been really, you know, a year since we've been talking, whether it's access to health insurance or um, making sure everyone can have, you know, accessible health care, um, providing contraceptives in order to have a stronger argument for, um, you know, pro-life positions, making sure we can provide um, universal child care, even, especially to single moms. Um, certainly having a much more humane, open immigration policy. Um, these are things that like, I can hide behind, oh, security. Oh, you know, we're, we just want law and order and I am okay with temporary, you know, inhumane treatment of people. Um, and I know there are a lot of churches and Christians making a big deal about how we're detaining some folks right now. We've even, you know, one of my neighbors, my neighbors is a police officer and he'd say like, we, they got a pretty sweet deal. Like basically a coyote dumps them over the border, a coyote takes them until they get caught. The state basically apprehends them, and then the kid has a sharpie, uh, you know, number written on his arm, and then the state pays to send him to a, a, a family member, you know, in the states. Like, is that true though? I feel uh, like why, if that's the case, why are there like 
thousands well, of children. In well, cages that's well, that's just right, though. They, they have to put them in a place in between there. Right. It's oh. not just that easy, um, especially if they're looking for parents or look if they have no connections. That's where, that's where they go. There's like two thousand. I've also heard quite a bit that like even if family members come to visit them or, or come to see them and, and prove that their family members and ask to take them, that's not an option. They have to be. Well, right. everything's I mean, dictated. Though. I mean, think about it. And who knows? Right. Like sex trafficking of minors is a real thing. You know, if I'm Definitely. trafficking minors, I, I take a couple. Right. Um, so there's some very, uh, very disturbing reports about some stuff ICE officers have done. RE, sex trafficking, sexual abuse, all that stuff. Encourage people <sighs> to do their own research. But I guess what I'm saying is there are significant problems right now. And so for us to be, if you're not engaged somewhere locally and, and, and encouraging representatives to do something else otherwise, then like, man, I don't know, as, as Christians, we, we certainly got to be praying, but I think we're also the hands and the feet. And so we need to pray because prayer moves spiritual boundaries that I really believe are there and obstacles from, dude, I'll just straight say sometimes demonic forces, but we also have to be open to talking to people in love on the street and doing things um, in between. And so, um, you know, it's almost like it kind of reminds me of in a way, like the way that like Royal courts would just create like random drama just to like fill their time or, you know, because we're pretty materially comfortable in the United States, at least if you're above a certain income level. And like when you, when you don't have like material alienation, you, you kind of like just look for things to make yourself feel worse, I think. And in the United States, I think the form that takes oftentimes is like national politics. And you're playing like this game in your head where it's like, you know, like you're rooting for a team uh, to offload your own personal anxieties or something like that. I, I don't know. It's some yeah. psycho thing. Well, I, I'll say it. one thing that contributes to that problem of us, like us just creating drama and it's, it's, it's maybe the last point of establishing all this. And that is, you know, Ben Shapiro has got a saying that is inflammatory and popular, like, you know, selling coffee mugs, selling, filling cups with leftist tears. And um, I'll just say, you know, in our, from our example, man, at the very beginning, if, and a lot of things Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and others say sound very logical, but if it's done, Truth without love is brutality and judgment. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is love and mercy triumph that. And so just as in our example of like, if I'm at the table and I'm just one a-hole that's saying like, you shouldn't be, you know, getting a baptism or whatever. And because of X, Y, Z, all very biblical reasons. And it stops there. And I filled your, my cup with, you know, your squishy tears. Dude, like, we are the blind guides. We are the wolves in sheep's clothing, right? We bring ourselves under condemnation within Isaiah 58 and Ezekiel, you know, 26 and these sorts of things. And so, um, and so yeah, I one thing Ben Shapiro, sorry to, to cut in if, but one thing Ben Shapiro loves to say is, you know, civ modern civilizations built on Athens and Jerusalem and to uh, circle back to our Socrates point, um, you know, one thing that the, Plato writes about in the Republic all the time is his hatred of sophists or, you know, the, the way he despises sophists who are just looking to not actually learn or gain anything from their conversation with a, a counterpart, 
but to destroy and uh, and demolish their opponent's position. You know, there, there's no seeking of actual truth, I guess, is sort of, I think, how Plato puts it. Yeah. Um... Which doesn't seem productive to me. And I, I, even to the, if he, even if he really cares about his own political project, I don't see how that's, you know, useful. Now, now there are there is evil out there, which I believe, but we're called again to pray for our enemies. And so I, I just think that that's a um, if you don't like a particular news station, I challenge you to pray for that news station and those anchors. Um, because that being said, nobody should be watching cable news. It melts your brain, folks. Do not do it. Yeah. MSNBC, CNN, Fox, none of those are good for you. So, Cyrus, that's my that's my uh, my my confusing rant. There are a couple other points that aren't as you know as crystal yet. Um, I, I want to reemphasize though that like I think policy with good incentives or with human incentives um, is probably key. A lot of things that I hear Christians and conservatives, um, you know, trying to break down are socialist things that are well-intended without good incentives. Oh, we should have a higher social safety net. Well, that'll encourage more people not to work. Well, I know from what you've said, to work is human. So we should have, you know, certain policies that encourage work, that reward people from getting out of situations. Does that make sense? Like monetary rewards. So I just think that- Yeah, like one thing dad always says is like, sorry, uh, but one thing dad always says is like, when I talk about something like universal healthcare, he's like, I just think there needs to be guardrails. And it's like, okay, if you really think that, then don't be just in full opposition to the the project. Like, join the conversation. Don't just be completely opposed to it from the very from the word go. You know, then then it makes you seem like you're not being intellectually honest about what you actually want. Yeah, and I think yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so so that's my scoop, dude. Um, I, I, we could certainly rant on others, but we want to keep it to you know, those consolidated points. Um, so let me just ask you. So is that nine points? Uh, nine. We'll, we'll go with a, a, a solid even nine. Um, Chase's nine theses. Yeah. Nailed to the church door, folks. Um, <laughs> how are you personally? Um, how, you know, how you're getting ready to move or what? what, what how, how is Cyrus doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for asking. Um, we do this podcast, uh, or so many of our conversations revolve around this podcast. Sometimes we forget to check in with each other. Right. Um, but I'm doing well. I'm uh, working a lot, trying to save up some money before I move, as you know, and trying to do that while I uh, do this and, you know, knock out some grad school stuff. Uh, no one hold that against me. Uh, but yeah, just uh, L-I-V-I-N, living. Um looking forward to uh to the move though right on yeah you know what i'm uh, praying that we get to do a hike uh, to our grandfather's secret spot in the the mountains of idaho and montana in june so that that'll be a physical emotional spiritual experience yeah pull it off Um, that that might be yeah that that could be a real uh we could we might come back with a real interesting episode after that one truth um um What about you, man? How, how's things uh, with, with Samantha, with, with the now sleeping baby Cato Duke Capo? How's the house? Yeah, he's good. He sleeps at good times um, and cries when, you, when something's wrong. So good baby. Uh, might, have to get a, might have to get a little pick of that for our social media team. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you, man, I, I have a praise report to God. I was in some prayer meetings this morning where I shared this uh, with our you know, local folks. Um, again, open invite. If someone needs a good Bible study or men's group or whatever, DM us. I will connect you. You can join via Zoom. That's what we're doing. Um, man, I, I've had an idol revealed to me by God, and it's becoming to be pulled out. And uh, you know, you really worship something when you don't want to give it up. Right. And I've said, I think on this podcast, but in a bunch of men's groups and things I've led an idol that you worship is anything that gives you your core identity, a deep sense of worth and satisfaction or validity of those things of your identity. Mm. Right. And so, and God, by the way, hates idolatry. Uh, he compares it to adultery. And he gets so mad, he gets red in the nose, it says. And, oh, and that's Hebrew interpretation. Yeah. Um, and so I had been thinking, okay, most of my idols are sort of like worked out. I'm just, you know, whatever else. Dude, through this last six months, even year, I but within the last week or two, I worship productivity and accomplishments, like on a daily level. To the point where if I don't get enough done in a day or as much as I thought I should, it will steal, kill, and destroy my day. You know, early, late afternoon, I realize and I'm like, ooh, I'm behind. I'm not going to get stuff done. I'll get angry. And, and that sense that that idol doesn't validate like the worth of my day. Um, and God finally revealed it to me going through Ecclesiastes, dude. And I realized I'm like, oh, I am because I've been working a lot or working enough not to super enjoy this time off. And I've been doing taking enough time off not to really get a lot done. And so I've just been a freaking ball of frustration. And and when it was revealed to me, I was like, ooh, I don't want to give this up. This this notion that productivity is really good because it's done so much good for me. And back to your comment earlier in the conversation. Is it the idol that's given me these things? Is it my own work ethic or is it God's right hand that has blessed me with these things? And I've gotten some of the good things that I've gotten despite my freaking overwork and whatever else. And interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, and it's, it's really weird because as this idol is slowly falling and I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't need to serve this. I don't need to worship that idol. I enjoy the day more, even if I'm not getting, a lot done and dude you like this is core to how i freaking go about my day um and and my intensity in each day and yeah. so i don't know where this is going to lead but it's a little more presence in your actual life i renounce the it, like and this is this, this sounds anti-american this sounds anti-me man but i read so i'm just going to do it and it's really kind of painful even to say i Send renounce it accomplishment productivity and achievement as an idol like i don't want ambition it. Uh, damn god get damn. it out that's it, crazy I, I say i hear it coming from you that's that's crazy to hear i have to say and like dear god help me and and then james 5 is clear about it like if you were sick confess and repent and pray and so in the name of jesus help me but yeah dude like get those out and and here's what's interesting Right. Like, let's say he were to like lead me to teach or something else. Dude, I can't even fathom teaching because 
of those previous, like, because those mo- things I just renounced are such a core motivation to me. I wouldn't it even be able to- a fair amount of humility to just take shit from high schoolers or whatever all day. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm teaching next year. It, maybe it's a journey, but what I'm saying is that like, I, I can't, I wouldn't even be able to enjoy that with those idols. Yeah. You know what I mean? And totally. so God help me, but that's, that's what's going on. Dang, man. Well, sounds like a lot's going on. That's great. That's great. It's, uh, it's a, it's a season for, uh, sounds like it's a season for, for seeding for for growing. I don't know. Last don't little, know. I'm not a farmer. Yeah. Oh, I've been growing a garden actually. Um, because there's so many biblical apples. So dude, we've got two freaking apple trees, two dwarf peach trees, a fig tree, two grape things, plants in a garden. I'm on it. Like I'm going, it's my excuse to get outside, but, um, Beautiful. One other thing, well, uh, Alex, I know you got to you got to make a workout, right? I do, I do. Okay. I just want to put in one more it. plug, real quick, uh, because by the time this episode comes out, there should be a day or two left. Anyone who lives in Idaho, this project, I, uh, you know, I'm volunteering with uh, now and then, Reclaim Idaho. Um, they passed a ballot initiative in 2019 to expand Medicaid to give people health care who had under thirty thousand dollars. It was you widely passed with like, I think 60 to 70% of the vote, which in a Republican state like Idaho means a lot of conservatives signed on to it. The state legislature immediately attacked it, you know, tried to tear it down and managed to stick around. But then the state legislature, state legislature recently has tried to pass a, a, a law that makes doing ballot initiatives in the state of Idaho pretty much impossible. Um, and so they passed that in the, uh, in the state house um, and it's now on Governor Little's desk. So anyone who can send a letter to or a note to Governor Little's office to ask him to veto the bill, uh, it's it's good for democracy. It's good for the political process. It's good for communities. So please try and do that. Um, I think, that said, I, I think you mean like health insurance, right? Like access to health insurance. Yeah, med- well, Medicaid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was it was from the Obamacare stuff. It's it's a long story, but. Um, that said, I love you, Chase. Got it going, but uh, chat soon. I do love you. Thanks for your time. But principles are eternal, and this has been a contest over a principle. In this contest, brother has been arrayed against brother, father against son. It is for these that we speak. We do not come as aggressors. Our war is not a war of conquest. We are fighting in defense of our homes, our families, and posterity. This has been Cross of Gold. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to thank Sant Invictus for producing our intro and outro songs. And uh, look forward to seeing you next time.